Father, please send your spirit to us uh, in light of, uh, golly, your, your people around the world this week. We think of the way in which you loved us to the end, the way in which you prepared us for transitions, the very way of life that, you, that your son showed us and, and became the way for us into, we thank you. And tonight, Father, minister to us in um, our, uh, our reflections, minister to us in our um, nervousness and anxieties about the thing, the sprint still before us, minister to us in uh, thinking about chapters and changes, send us out of here. Um, in, in such a way that you are pleased, that we are filled with life and peace, and that your kingdom is coming in this world and in our lives. Send your spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of each one of our hearts would be holy and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, Jesus doesn't simply invite, a, invite people to agree with truth claims about him. As if the whole of the Christian life is to think in our heads, Jesus is God. Even demons believe that and shudder. Somebody took a picture of my... Anyway. Uh, and <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, and I'll give you some other ones in a minute. And Jesus, um, he doesn't actually... Some of us, that may not be the struggle, but listen, for some of us, Jesus doesn't simply invite us to believe in him in our hearts. As if the whole of the Christian life is, a war, is about like this warm emotion about the risen Lord. Jesus invites people to, and I'll be quoting a bunch of things here, follow him. To obey him. To do what he says. To reside in him. To leave other things behind. If you were with us last week, he invites us to deny ourselves. To pick up our cross and to follow after him. Where in these sorts of invitations do you hear Jesus asking a question about what your intellectual assents are or what your emotional agreements are? Jesus' invitation isn't simply to think or feel a certain way about him. His invitation is into an entirely different sort of life. He calls this the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, depending on which gospel you read. And it is the subject about which he speaks most often. It's a good trivia question to know. What does Jesus talk about more than anything else? The kingdom of God. The early Christians simply called following him. Actually, does anybody know what early Christians called the, the Christian faith? What's like the earliest phrase that we know of? It comes from the book of Acts. Anybody know what they called it? They called it the way. We're followers of the way. That's what they, that's what they would say. The way. We might call it the way of Jesus. Our first Tuesday night sermon this semester was titled The Way of Jesus, and we talked about what the gospel is. What's the good news? That's what gospel means. What's apparently its definition Tuesday. Well, good news. It means good news. That's what gospel means. Why, did, why Jesus did what he did and how in his kingdom, in the way of Jesus, the verdict comes before the trial. The promise comes before the performance. I told a story about my little girl jumping into my arms learning how to swim. Now, in order for her to take a risk and perform, she needed to know that her safety, her end, was guaranteed. And how counter this is to virtually every other uh, kingdom, way of life in the world around us. 
When we look at Jesus and we hear and read stories of his life in the scriptures, when we receive what he teaches, we discover that God loves us before we ever do a thing. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order to save it or in order that the world might be saved through him. For God so loved the world first. The verdict comes before the trial, the promise before the performance. God loved the world, so he sends his son. God loves you already. That's why he's invite, and that's why he's after you. That's why he's inviting you to follow him, to obey him, to do what he says, to reside in him, to deny yourself because he loves you, not in order to love you, but because he does. This is the way of Jesus. In his kingdom, love comes first. In his kingdom, verdict before trial. In his kingdom, promise before performance. The way of Jesus isn't just about him, in other words. It's about the very way of life that he's bringing. And this way of Jesus, this way of life impacts everything. It shapes everything. That's why Jesus calls it a kingdom. Because when you think of a kingdom, you don't, it's, it's not about one person. Think of all the things that are wrapped up in any kingdom. Food, language, ways of life, how people spend their days, um, the kinds of clothing people wear, all of the cultural artifacts that jump to the surface when you begin to think about any kingdom. The way of Jesus shapes everything. It intersects with everything. He calls it a kingdom. It's a way of life. You may have pieced this together, but all semester we've actually been looking at how the way of Jesus shapes things differently than, in, than the way of our world. That the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are not producing the same fruit. So uh, just for the, this, a quick glance to, to make this point, Trent, will you put up the list of sermons from the semester? Did I send that to you? I think I did. So here's some of the sermons we walked through. Anxiety in the way of Jesus. Forgiveness in the way of Jesus. Doubt in the way of Jesus. Belonging in the way of Jesus. Sex in the way of Jesus. Pornea, which means the twisting of sex in the way of Jesus. Marriage, divorce, and singleness in the way of Jesus. Earning love in the way of Jesus. Entitlement in the way of Jesus. Freedoms and discipline in the way of Jesus. Consumerism in the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus has something to say about each of these things. Remember, Jesus is not just inviting you to think about him a little differently or to feel about him a certain way. His kingdom, his way of life intersects with all of these kinds of things. Not just those things. We could go on. The way of Jesus and our bodies, the way of Jesus and our money, the way of Jesus and our words, the way of Jesus and our thoughts, the way of Jesus and our hobbies, the way of Jesus and our politics, the way of Jesus and our friendships and our roommates, where we decide to live in our towns and why we decide to live there, what jobs we take. What majors we major in, how we study the way of Jesus in anything, everything. There isn't anything that the way of Jesus doesn't touch. When he invites you into his kingdom, into his way of life, it will cost you everything because his way of life reshapes everything. On the very night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his friends for supper. And, and look at the text that Barrett read earlier. We just look at the first few verses there. It's in John chapter 13. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. I encourage you to be familiar with this. It kicks off one of my favorite sections in the whole New Testament. 
John chapter 13, I think this is from the ESV. It was just before the Passover festival. That's a super crazy word if you don't know any, if you never read the Old Testament. It's fantastic. I encourage you to read the Old Testament. Um, uh, I'll read it with you if you want to read it with somebody. That would be fun. Um, uh, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. God, I love this next line. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. I love this. I, I'm not going to preach about this, but for just this second. Uh, there, there's, a, there's almost a clue here. The whole sermon almost turned on this one verse. I almost thought, man, is that what it takes for you to be able to get up out of your seat? For you to know that you come from God and you're going to God, is that the very thing that gives us the courage to get up? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, Jesus knew that, so, so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Knowing that, the, knowing that he was about to die, look back at the first verse there. Yeah, thanks. You can just leave it there for a little bit, brother. Um, I love how you're wanting to go through Scripture, though. It's cool. Um, Okay, knowing that he was about to die and that he was going to go be with the Father, he leaves his seat of honor. He's at the head of the table. He strips himself, he gets onto his knees, and he washes his friend's feet. The gospel writer, John, who was there that night, summarizes what Jesus is doing in that verse that I said I love so much, that he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. That's like a summary statement about what's about to happen. From, from that verse on, John is telling you, here's what I mean by Jesus loving us to the end. And this is the way of Jesus. Giving up his seat. Willing to look undignified for the sake of love. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over. Just, I only said one and a half sentences, but I'm going to start over. I want you to think about whether, how many things in this world, your, 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 your majors, your friend groups, your parents even, the careers that you're chasing after, the social media things that you follow, the news, how many of the, of the things, the kingdoms of this world encourage you to live in the way that Jesus examples? Listen, listen to the kinds of things he does just in this one setting. He gives up his seat. He's willing to look undignified. For the sake of love, I think about filters, man. Using his power and authority to serve others. When he knows that his greatest suffering is coming, he knew that he was about to depart the world. He isn't focused on himself, he's focused on others. He loves first at cost to himself. That is the way of Jesus, and it's upside freaking down. It's inside out compared to the kingdoms of this world. It's counter to the way of the world in which we're encouraged to secure our seats, to prop up our dignity, to demand and expand our power to focus on ourselves. We even have cute phrases that help us figure this stuff out. And, and I'm nervous right now because there's a good versions of this stuff, but not when it comes counter and rival to the kingdom of Jesus that I got to figure myself out before I help anybody else. The way of Jesus isn't like an airplane with a gas mask. Like it's not, that, that's a metaphor. It's much more complicated than that. And we don't see Jesus 
loves us first. He loves his enemies. He washes the feet of traitors. He has compassion on the religious perfectionists, on the social outcasts, on the immature, on the out of control, all of whom were at that table. And it's good news because it means that you and I can pull up a seat at that table. That's the way of Jesus. It's a new way of life. It's a kingdom that has a whole different set of norms. And he invites you and me into that way of life. Jesus does not say, just watch me and in your head agree that I did things. James, who was also at that table, says, yeah, the the demons believe that stuff. That's not what makes you a follower of Jesus. That's not what makes you a Christian. Warm feelings about what Jesus did that night. No, Jesus invites you into his way of life. Let's keep going, Trent. You can keep going now. Look at what he says just after he washes his friend's feet. We're skipping ahead to verse 13 in chapter 13. It's lucky, I think. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set up an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. And now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you think about them. You'll be blessed if you feel warmly about what I just said and put it on a journal. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do them. A few years ago, I actually forget the sermon series, but I remember I used a kind of a metaphor throughout the whole sermon series to describe some of our experience in the kingdom of God that, 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 that uh, I, I asked, if some of you are older, you might remember this, I asked you to imagine a fire on a beach. And you understand if it's a, this is a metaphor, okay, but it, with a fire, there's going to be warmth and light around that fire, Right? And some of us, this is our interaction with the kingdom of God, that we we believe that we've been promised light and warmth, but we're standing 200 yards away. And we're saying, like, I believe that there's fire and light. And it sounds great, like it feels great to know that, like, there's fire and light, but we're standing 200 yards away. And we're wondering, like, why don't I feel the warmth? Why, why, Why is it hard to see when I'm hearing all these people talk about there being light? I'm standing 200 yards away. That's why. I mean, truly, it's just common sense, right? But listen to the way Jesus promises his blessings to you. Now that you know these things, right, you will be blessed if you do them. He promises peace to those who cast their anxieties upon him, not those who hold them tightly and meditate on them all day. Give give them. Humble yourself. Give them your anxieties. That's the kind of promises he made. Anyway, I'm going to go on and on here. Listen, you will be blessed if you do them. This is that's Jesus. He says, I've given you an example that you, should, that you also should do just as I have done. This is his invitation. Follow after me. Do what I do. Come after me. Be like me. In other words, the way of Jesus isn't just something we witness to or agree with. It's something we enter into. The way of Jesus is to become our way. Love one another as I've loved you, Jesus says. Pay attention to how I've served you. If you want to follow me, you must be like me. You're not greater than I. And I stoop low and serve the ones I love. 
My way needs to become your way. The way of Jesus needs to become the very way of your life. The king kneeling before his servants, outserving them. The one worthy of most honor, outdoing them in honor. Laying down his life for them at the meal before he lays his life down for them on the cross. This is the way of Jesus and you, friends, are invited to do as he does. Each year when we come to Holy Week, we remember with the church around the world and throughout history the way of Jesus. Specifically in his passion and the way he suffered and died and the way he rose from the grave. And and here at the house we have this tradition on Holy Week of washing each other's feet. Of responding to Jesus' command to do as he does. If I then, your Lord and teacher, this is a direct quote from Jesus. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Sometimes we make things so dang complicated. I could, I could spin all sorts of reasons why we ought to do this. I probably will. In just a second. Uh, but, but Jesus said, if I've done this, you should do this. It's the same argument I make. I have other ones too, because there's lots of reasons for this stuff. But one of the reasons we celebrate the Lord's table is because Jesus said, every time you gather, do this. In remembrance of me. And we, sometimes we make things so complicated. Jesus says, look, watch what I do and do this. Many of us, I think, experience so much anxiety and pressure trying to figure out what it means to be faithful and respond to God. What what does God want me to do with my life? What am I supposed to do? Well, friends, I actually hope you can receive it as grace tonight that if you wash one another's feet and you receive the elements of communion, that you are actually responding to Jesus who told you to do these things. And you can go to bed tonight going, I did exactly what Jesus asked me to do tonight. And just for one night, just one oasis or respite in the middle of the chaos of your decision-making and wondering if you've chosen right or wrong or anything else, just go, Jesus, this is on you because you could have asked me to do anything else when I'm gathered with Christians. You told me to to remember you in your body and blood, and, and you told us to wash one another's feet. Put it on him. Just for one night, I just want you to experience the, 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 the knowledge that you have actually responded to Jesus just wonderfully. Tonight, I want to invite you to think about how Jesus loves you and about how he's invited you into his kingdom, into his way of life by having your feet washed by another and then washing someone else's feet. And I invite you to see that as a picture of what Christ has done for us, a picture of how the great king uses his power. Unlike other rulers and kings of our world. A picture of the kind of kingdom, the way of life he invites us into. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, it's, it's to live like him. It's to live in the very way of Jesus. And there is, quite frankly, no way to do this without him. For not only does he example the way for us, the same night just after supper as they're moving on, he, he tells them he is the very way. He doesn't invite us to wash each other's feet until our feet have been washed. He doesn't invite us to love before he loves. In order to live like he lives, we need to know his life is for us. In the kingdom of God, in the way of Jesus, the promise comes before the performance. God loves you and he's inviting you into his way of life. This is incredibly problematic if you have not experienced the love of God in a way that you can identify in your life. 
And if you have not, I pray for that for you. God, send your spirit to do a miracle in people's lives in this room. Show up in a way that they know your love. And, and friends, those of you who follow Jesus, you must know. You and I are to be the ones to example this in other people's lives. If other people have not seen the love of God, that's on us. That's on us. If, my, if, if I can't say to my roommate, love as God loves you, and they, my roommate would be my wife, uh, and, and if, she, if I said love as God loves you, and she's like, well, how has he loved me? God, I, the primary way God is trying to address that is going, you dummy, I'm trying to love her through you. You stood before friends and family and said, I got it. If she doesn't know how I love her, I am equipping you to do it. Lay down your life. Wash your feet. Her first, not you. Not the way you want to load the dishwasher. Not the cereal you want to buy. Not where you want to move or the jobs that you want to take or, or how the, the cadence of life that you desire so much every day of your life. Lay it down. Her first. Guess what I do for you? There, I, I know there are some of us in this room that quite frankly have not, don't know that God loves us first. And, and, and I, I'm sorry to you. That's on me. That's on my brothers and sisters in the church. We need to be doing that. Because when Jesus extends his invitation, it is always, 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 I mean, all the way back, the way God has always worked with his people. God meets them and offers them life and saves them, and then he invites them to, to follow him. It's not the other way around. The most famous beginning of this probably is the Ten Commandments. For I am the God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Have no other gods before me. It's the first commandment. How does that start? I am the God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. You already know my acts of kindness and mercy toward you before I've asked you to do a thing. Do you see? This is how God moves toward us. He invites you into his way of life, but Jesus is the way there. You need to know that he moves first towards you, which is why in just a minute, you've got to get your feet washed first before you wash another. In the kingdom of God and the way of Jesus, the promise comes before the performance. What I want you to know as you go into finals and summer and whatever chapter is next, you're not invited to a set of truth claims or warm feelings about God. You're invited into a whole new way of life. I almost said a whole new world and had to sing Aladdin. Um, a way of life which has something to say. The kingdom of God has something to say about anxiety and forgiveness and doubt and belonging and sex and singleness and rights and freedoms and love. The way of Jesus isn't just about Jesus. It's about you and me and the whole of the cosmos and you're invited into that. The king and his kingdom are the real hope set before the world. Friends, respond to his invitation. Whether you've just entered into this community or you're about to move on, I want nothing more than for you to respond to Jesus. Not join a Bible study. Not go to a church service. Not sign up to serve in the background. Not go on a mission trip. No. Look, all of those things are ways in which people are responding to Jesus, but there is a way to do all of that that is not responding to Jesus. I want you to respond to Jesus and his invitation into the way of his kingdom.
say yes to him and the kingdom he rules and ushers, he says it's his good pleasure to give it to us. He's not trying to withhold it. Here I stand knocking at the door right now. Every single one of us in this room, I I am 100% convinced of this. Every single one of us in this room, there is a way in which God right now is trying to invite you more and more into his way of life. And we resist, we bolt the door, we leave the phone on, it used to be a metaphor, we leave the phone on the ringer or the hook, that's not a thing anymore. Um, I don't, I gotta just skip that one. Uh, In any case, I know that God is at work right now to invite each and every one of us in this room to experience more and more of the way of his kingdom, to let his way of life shape our way of life, that we might actually be like him and discover the abundance of life that's in his kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give it to you. Here's what you do. Turn from any other kingdom you're building and say yes to him. Tonight, I invite you to do that by heeding his command to wash one another's feet and remember him in the sacrament of communion. These friends um, are examples of King Jesus and the way of life that he invites you into. This night is loaded this Thursday night. Just after he washed the disciples' feet, these up, they're eating dinner, and that's when he institutes what we call communion. I don't know, your, your church may call it something different, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. And sitting there with his friends, he took bread sitting on the table, and after giving thanks to you, Father, he broke it. And he offered it to his friends and he said, take, eat. This is my body which has been given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup of wine. And after giving thanks to you, Father, thank you, Father. He offered it to his friends. And he said, this this wine is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me and for the past 2,000 years. As the people of God have gathered all over the world like we do tonight, they have remembered what Christ has done, celebrated his death, celebrated his resurrection, and they look forward with great anticipation to when he will come again. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in your goodness and in your mercy, would you send your spirit to descend upon us and to descend upon these gifts, sanctifying them and showing them to be your holy gifts for your holy people the bread of life and the cup of salvation. And may all who share in them, Father, become one body and one spirit, a living sacrifice to the praise of your name. Amen. So friends, um, this night's gonna be quite a bit different than normal um, because I wanna invite you to uh, respond to Jesus. Um, by washing, by letting your feet get washed and then washing somebody else's feet. You don't have to participate in that. You don't. Jesus said, um, this is something I have done and wash one another's feet. And so this is a great opportunity for you in an embodied way to respond to him and to ask God to teach you what he wants to while that's happening. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do is kind of specific instructions. If you want to have your feet washed, I'd encourage you to just take your shoes and socks off or sandals, whatever, uh, at your pews just to save floor space, uh, uh, smells too back there. Um, there's lavender, Epsom salts. Back, I think there's one bin back there, by the way, that doesn't have any Epsom salts or lavender in it. So if you have allergies to either of those things, um, you can just add. Actually, which side is it on? It's on the far right. So if you want uh, plain holy water, uh, it's on the right. 
The rest of it is lavender holy water. Um, well, listen, if you guys want to go back there to have your feet washed and wash somebody else's feet, there'll be people who will teach you how to do it. I want you to do this. So if, when you're ready to go out the outside and then go to the back there. And then when you're done, um, if, if you would like and you want to respond to Jesus in, in the Lord's table, then come forward down the middle. Does that make sense? Just to save some traffic there. Um, friends, you don't have to come forward to the table. You don't have to go there. If God's spirit is doing something in your life and you just want to pray, that's totally fine. Um, I also understand some of you may come from traditions where specifically the Lord's table means something slightly different. How symbolic is this? Is is the the body and blood of Jesus present in the elements? I mean, look, you're welcome to overlay your traditional norms onto this. Um, This is a a, a really a a big, broad um, sacrament that the church around the world shares and has shared for 2,000 years, okay? Um, Well, I'm going to have people do actually seniors. I'm going to actually, in just a minute, I'll just release y'all to do your things. Um, seniors, if you would go first, because um, those of you guys, uh, uh, I want you guys to know, if you want somebody to pray for you, our seniors would love to pray for you. So tonight, they, many of them have just volunteered to stand in the back. They'd love to pray for you for the next year, for your summer, for things that are plaguing your anxiety. If you want to see Jesus in your life move, ask them to pray for you. Challenge them to pray boldly for you. You signed up for it, seniors, so there you go. Um, uh, but so let the seniors go first, would you? And then um, we'll continue to worship God through praise. Um, and then we've got some fun stuff later on tonight too. Friends, um, God has extended his kingdom to you and he invites you into his way of life. Say yes to it.